Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. I'm very excited today because normally I get to talk to a lot of people from the United States market. Uh, clearly, the United States market for touring and entertainment is world-renowned. It's the It really is the media capital of the universe. Yeah, I don't know of any other planets that are putting out as many movies, concerts, and commercials as the United States. I think that is what draws a lot of us into the United States market. But North America is actually made up of more than one, one country. Canada is up here. It does exist. It is more than just a loft above the party. There are people living up here. There are a lot of people making a living. They are enjoying their universal health care. They're doing all the wonderful things, drinking the maple syrup. I, uh, I'm enjoying it myself. My kids are quite well educated up here. They're, they're learning all their renewable energy sources in French and, and English. And uh, they already know they're even at age nine, they're learning about human rights. And it, it, it's amazing. The, it's, it's really cool to, to be up here where everybody's stereotypically absolutely making a conscious effort to be polite to one another and trying to help each other out. It, it, it's very peaceful. So that brings me to somebody that I wanted to talk to today because he is fresh. He's fresh into the market. He just graduated in 2016. He is uh, not far from me. He's in uh, just outside of Toronto while I'm just outside of Windsor. We, we really could even go and meet up at a cafe today if, we, if, uh, if it wasn't for this pandemic slash lockdown slash isolation period slash not allowed to get a haircut time. So I'm really excited to kind of get a, a unique perspective on somebody who was very fresh in the market in, in a smaller market. And then had the market shut down on him. So I, I hope you'll uh, welcome Andrew Dawson. He is a lighting designer and programmer out of uh, Toronto. Thank you so much for joining me today, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. It's great to be here. I, I hope what I uh, what I how the way I presented you wasn't too offensive. It's uh, you you are brand new to the industry. I've been watching you progress, and then uh, I, I just watched the the industry shut down on you. I just kind of want to hear about. How's it going, man? You know, to, to put it simply, how's it going? It, it's going as good as it can in the middle of a global pandemic. You know, it was, uh, you're climbing that whole, uh, you're climbing that ladder and then just a wall closes on you. So it was, uh, it was definitely a shock, but, uh, you know, you take it one day at a time and you, you stay on your feet and you try to get work when you can. So you graduated from Fanshawe, which is a uh, university just outside of... Toronto, correct? Yeah, it's a it's a college in London, Ontario. London. So about two hours from the city. 
Okay, in twenty sixteen. Correct. Yeah, twenty sixteen. I I graduated. So from twenty sixteen to twenty twenty, you hit the ground running. I just went head first and just started getting as much work as I could. And so, what was your first gig right out of college? So right out of college, I did an interview for a head electrician position at a theater, three hours, three hours outside of the city. And uh, I ended up getting hired for that. So I spent six months working in a small town doing theater and rep. So we had a new show every couple of weeks and got some great experience. I did, did that and learned a ton, but then I, my contract finished and I had to come home. So as I came home, it was like, what now? And that's when I uh, switched into the freelance market and just started to try to get my name out there as much as I could. Right on. What is the process for that these days? I, I can only imagine it's quite a bit different from the way I did it uh, 20 years ago. Well, how do, you, how do you start to make connections in the rock and roll industry now? It's going to sound crazy. I got a Facebook message one day. Um, I had a picture. Of, of course you did. Right. <laughs> I had, a, I had a picture of a grand MA2 on my cover photo and a, a good friend now, Matthew Reeker, went, hey, do you know that console? Back then, I knew it maybe a little bit, not as much as I know it today. And I went, yes, I did. He said, cool, are you, are you available for a show? And long and behold, I started doing 4 a.m. load-in calls, just uh, building rigs and getting my name out there and meeting other great local techs. Wow. That's how, that's how it works now. You put a picture of an MA on your profile. <laughs> that's like fishing. You, right? you basically you're out there just kind of like, hey, I kind of know this console. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Hit, hit me up. See if I do. It, it was it was really funny too because it's like, is this for real right now? Because it's like, how like I was ready to send off emails to every company in the city, and long and behold, it was almost like fate. It was meant to be and. Now we're in 2020 and we have a great relationship. So it's, uh, it's pretty funny how things work out sometimes. Let this be a lesson to everybody young and old, but uh, you got to keep your social media updated. You got to let people know where you're at, what you're doing, uh, what your skills are. You got to keep a, an active website. You never know who's going to stumble upon your website and see you sitting in front of a console they're going to be like, oh, damn, because today's the day I need, I need Andrew. Uh, <laughs> I can see that he at least knows how to sit in front of one of those. So I'm a Facebook message. Right. That, that oops button was my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we've come a long way from uh, having to you know, hit the streets and make cold phone calls oh, and man. stuff like that. Now you just kind of shoot something out online and, and wait for something to come back. It's all about those Instagram photos and Facebook posts and whatever, Twitter, you name it. It's just getting your presence out there. So have you, what sort of shows has Matthew uh, involved you in? So I started being a lighting tech. He did a lot of corporate shows. So I would go out, do his load-ins, and then eventually it just went from there. Hey, can you go be the lighting director on the show for me? And that's when I started meeting more people and just climbing the ladder became a programmer and uh, branched out from there. Nice. Was that, so you had, uh, what sort of console did you have in school then? We learned on ETC. So I was, of course. All, I, I was all ETC based, even, even I was old school going all the way back to 
to high school, it was the strand palettes and those little ETC smart fades that QStack wasn't working on ours. So it was all done on the fly, right? So it's just, uh, I still know the older consoles a little bit. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Do you think that uh, your training in school gave you the tools necessary to make it after you got your Facebook message? Absolutely. It's, uh, it, it gave me the principles of console programming, but I was self-taught on MA. So I would go home at night and I would just sit on, I was lucky to have MA released on PC for MA2 at the time and uh, just sat there and would learn MA on my nights off besides doing homework. That is so different from the way I came up 20 years ago. If I wanted to learn the MA 20 years ago, I had to book a hotel in LA, drive to LA, get myself a hotel room, stay for three to four days, sit in a console with, sit in a room with like three people in front with two people to a console and just, you know, we would have to spend four days and a couple, you know, a thousand dollars to learn a console. You were able to learn the, the MA to a degree where you could at least get hired on it by sitting at your laptop. Exactly. It's pretty crazy to think about, but yes, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And you had you, you've, you'd sat in front of them before that like you knew how to turn them on and you'd at least patched before stuff like that, at least. Right. It, it was all on MA on PC. The first, uh, first show I was sent out on was a command wing and there I was. Wow. Yeah. It was all on PC based leading up to that, leading up to that moment. That is, um, the future is now right now. That's just short of matrix, like download MA software into my brain. <laughs> Let right. me learn this. It's uh, yeah, but still, even then I still had the manual open. It was like me pressing buttons, seeing what I can do. How do I make an effect? How do I patch or patch a fixture? You know, it's just, uh, just me messing around for hours on end that turned into something. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. That's Thank kind you. of, it's just above the fake it till you make it. Like at least you, you had some knowledge that you, you didn't, there was nothing fake there. Like you, I would, it sounds like you were very upfront and transparent. You're like, yeah, I kind of do. And, and I'm nearby. So let's, let's do this. Yeah, exactly. It was exactly that. And it's just me going out. And even as a lighting tech, he would be like, Hey, come here. How do you how do you do this with a cube? And it's just trying to prove myself to the point where let me behind a console. You know, it's uh, I knew when I started I wanted to get behind a console, and I I would just work on end until that day would come. That's cool. Yeah. How quickly did that turn into some of the very cool photos I saw on your website of you sitting in front of some rock and roll venues? Uh, man, it, it was it was pretty surreal. It happened fairly quick. It's uh, there, there's a lot of programmers in the city. And the ones who are MA programmers are normally pretty busy. So it's, if you know that console, somebody more than likely needs you. So, mm -hmm. here, I, so here I was starting to, starting to branch out, doing more. I did weddings for the longest time on MA. It was these high-end weddings. And, <laughs> and then what, That's a great way to cut your teeth. Yeah, right? It's like, yeah, do a rainbow chase. It's like, cool, but, you know, or go, go static amber, go static white, like, you know, just those typical color palettes until one day, one of the companies I was doing a wedding for went, hey, we need you for a corporate show. And long and behold, there was Justin Trudeau and Angelina Jolie standing on my stage. It's like, okay. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Pretty, pretty crazy. Had no idea who it was until I got there at 5 a.m. 
I guess when you're, when you're young and, and, and ready, you just have to say yes to whatever. I, there's a lot of questions that you don't ask. You just say, check under, there's nothing else that day. I'm coming. I will be there at 5 a.m. I, I was not turning down a show if my, if my life depended on it. Like I was just wanting to get as much work as possible. So exactly, yeah. Have you always been kind of gearing towards doing the, the festivals and, and the rock and roll stuff? Or I, is it, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I started in theater. I'm happy I got the theater background, but I knew when I started, I wanted to, I wanted to be in a venue and I wanted to see people watching a watching a band and get the feeling of when the house lights turn off those just those goosebumps, you know, it's, uh, that's, that's what I wanted. Very cool. Have you gotten to the level where people are flying you out to different parts of the country yet? Canada based? Yes, but international wise, not not yet, but it's, uh, just right on. Yeah. Good for you. That's uh, I still remember that feeling of the first time that somebody's willing to fly you somewhere else to work for them. That's a great feeling. It, it really is. It, it almost gives you that validation. Like, Hey, I, I can, I can do the job they're asking of me. And it just helps reinforce knowing because sometimes you, you might, I personally doubt myself once in a while, but it just, it helps solidify that and goes, no, you've got what it takes to pull this off. So yeah. I love that feeling of knowing that if I, let's say I'm flying into Dallas, Texas, I know that there's plenty of capable programmers in Dallas, Texas. I'm, I'm positive of it, but it's based on my experience with this client or something that I have that they want and they're willing to fly me to Dallas, Texas that's a great feeling. I can only imagine the same thing is true for you. Like let's say you're going to Calgary. It, it's exactly that. It's knowing that, that you were handpicked for a reason. It's uh, it's such a, it's such a unique feeling that still feels the same. Every time I get, I get hired for a gig. It's uh, it's pretty cool. So you, I would imagine you've at least got one or two phone calls to go to the U S though. Right. Or have you had to turn anything like that down yet? I've gotten phone calls, but they never really pulled through, but the fact that I was considered for that, for those shows was really cool. It's like, yeah, it just, they just ah, congratulations it. right on the brink there. Thank you. It's, you know, it's just getting, getting my feet wet in the water for, for, uh, for the U S but it's like the day will come. <laughs> yeah. So that's something we, we should probably have a discussion about because working in Canada is a bit different from working in the United States. So let's, we'll start with this, this kind of the smaller things that you, in order for you to work, do you have to be an employee or do you have to start your own business? You can be freelance. You could run your own business as long as uh, everything checks out with taxes and whatnot. You can be, you can be your own employee. Okay. And even four years out of college, that wasn't terribly tough for you. Were you able to set up everything you needed? Yeah. I set it up uh, fairly quickly within uh after I finished that theater contract, I got home and I just went looking and making phone calls on what I have to do to register myself as a business. Nice. Yeah. That's uh, it's, it's amazing how quick and easy that is. Uh, I think a lot of people think that Canada is overly regulated and stuff like that, but for the experiences that I've had, it was exponentially easier to get signed up for that in Canada than it was in the United States. Oh yeah. They make it pretty straightforward and, any questions, they're happy to answer it. They would 
at least from what I've seen, they would rather you do it properly and uh, exactly by the books versus, oh no, I messed up on this. What do I do now? Yeah, one of the tough things in the United States is, is it comes down to health insurance. Whereas if, if they want to hire you, there's the big question if that's going to be provided or not. If it is, it's a, it's a bigger deal. If it's not, it's, I mean, you, you really have to maintain your, the amount of hours that you're working and make sure that you're not a full-time employee. It's a real, it's a real headache, especially when it comes time to starting your own business in the United States. It's, it's really difficult. Oh, that's, that's a huge change compared to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the, the, the tough things is a lot of people don't realize is how easy it used to be and how difficult it is now to cross the border you and I both live on uh, on border towns, so I, I can only imagine that that's a, that's a bigger deal now than it used to be. Does that come up for you, Dave? You ever like just going to New York, which is closer than Vancouver, but you can work in Vancouver, but not New York. Exactly. It's uh, if you don't if you don't have the right documents to get over there with the production you're doing, they're not letting you in, and it's down to like even just the wording of that document. If it's not worded properly, they will just turn you away at the border. If you wanted to work in the US, you would either have to get your own visa or get somebody else to get you a visa. Is that is that where it exists these days? From what I've been seeing and from who I've talked to, yeah, that's exactly it. You just, you have to get an O1 on your own or you have to get an O2 with whoever you're working for. Um, yeah, that's at least from how I've seen it. Do you find that in the project list? Is that something, eventually you're going to have to be prepared for that. Absolutely. It's uh, there's a lot of, there's a huge list of things you have to do to get an O one. one So if, uh, if somebody wants to uh, sponsor me for an O two one one day, I hope that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> I will, uh, I will leave a link to your website in the, in <laughs> the notes you. in case anybody's looking to, <laughs> It's, give uh, Andrew a, an 01 these days. It's a, it's a long process and it's an expensive process. That's actually the next step for you is because in order to get that, you have to have a, a skill that basically makes you worthy of not, I don't want to say taking job away from, but, you know, filling a position of, uh, of unique skill. They have to, they have to make sure that you're not taking a job from anybody else saying that, now, whatever it is that Andrew does, he does it uniquely Andrew style. <laughs> exactly. It's it's just that you have to you have to prove that hey, what I do is super unique and very in a very limited market, and uh, this is why I need to come work in your country. Um, you know, it's just yeah. trying to prove yourself to uh, to them, right? Yeah. So, what was it that that intrigued you about this industry? And what was it that made you decide that you needed to go to Fanshawe? Well, it, it started in high school. I, I had a neighbor in the industry. His name, his name was Chris. He, we would just talk and he was a lighting designer and programmer. And uh, I was going to go to school to become a chef. That's what I wanted to do. And All right. in high school, I was, yeah, I was in the music program. And uh, one day people graduated and they went, hey, we need more people for the AV team. So I said, why not? That's hours on my on my community service and just gives me something to do on the side and looks good on my, uh, my portfolios for colleges. So I signed up and long and behold, I, I never looked back from there. You abandoned chef cooking altogether then, huh? Yeah. I still, I still cook on the side, but, uh, as a career choice, I find lighting a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> 
Yeah, who knows? Maybe someday you'll find a way to to join the two. Maybe you'll be able to find a way to be a touring lighting chef somehow. Hey, I'm always up for it. <laughs> I'm sure it exists one way or another. I'm sure it does. So I I have to admit, I was scoping you out and I found on your website towards the very bottom there, your college lighting show. I don't know if it was like your, was that your, your end of year project? It was exactly that. My, uh, my partner and my best friend to this day, Nick Gold and I uh, put that together. It was, uh, it was uh, a minimum cue list of 25 lighting cues. So we had to have 25 cues for this song. We okay. did 150. So it was uh, overachiever. Yeah. It nice. Was, it was just, you know, you got going with it and it's uh, it's themed to Disney music and we're very big Disney nerds. So we just uh, went to town in a limited programming time that we had. If you guys uh, want to check out his website, it's, it's towards the bottom and you'll see that uh, Andrew's timing on the X-Wing fighter sound effects are, are spot on. It's, it's very impressive. Yeah. We, we had a really good time putting that together. <laughs> How much technology was available to you at Fanshawe? A ton. It was, uh, so the program was down for a few years, I think. And then they started reopening it and they reopened it in a new campus, downtown London. So I was the second graduating class out of the program, I believe. So it was all brand new. Everything we learned was state of the art. Um, we had ETC consoles and professors who worked at Stratford just not too far from London and in the theater. So it was really good hands-on experience. That's cool. Yeah. Right on. This one's probably a tough question, but this is something I, I was going to ask you, but it, I did kind of knowing that you got your very first job from a Facebook message. I was going to kind of ask how the Toronto lighting designer communities is if everybody's helpful, but you kind of answer that you like basically without even having to try very hard, the, the Toronto, lighting community just kind of reached out to you before you even had to ask for help. It, it, it's pretty crazy. It's a very welcoming community. It's, you know, it's that, yes, I started designing there, but I wasn't really doing plots back then. It was, you know, executing designs, programming them. He was, he was the designer. And mm -hmm. then I started doing, um, I just started doing weekend shows at Young and Dundas Square in Toronto and the production company there, production service industries really, just saw my potential and Matt and Steve, let me just start designing rigs for them. So I really just grew from there and it's just, it's such a welcoming community. Man, you are fulfilling all of this, the Canadian stereotypes right now. I mean, it's, everybody seems to be polite. Everybody's helpful. Everybody's taking care of each other. Everybody's doing everything they can to make sure everybody's employed. This is awesome. At least from everybody I've come into contact with, you know, <laughs> I, I like, I like to leave a good impression and, you know, not, not rub any shoulders the wrong way and, you know, just uh, do what I enjoy. All right. So now let's, let's get into some of the more of the nuts and bolts here. As soon as the industry shut down on you, uh, is the Ontario government and the Canadian federal government take, helping you stay afloat while the industry is shut down? Yeah, we, we, if you met qualifications, there's, there's um, money for businesses, but I fit under the self-employed. So it was a lot of, uh, we had CERB and CRB and it would be um, every two weeks, you would get $2,000, not tax deducted. So they covered us for a while. So it, it was nice to have money coming in, even without 
proper income. Right on. And then uh, that was enough to get you to, uh, I believe you've done just a handful of gigs since March of last year. Yeah, it was about, it was about three gigs. It was, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy how quickly everything just kind of, kind of went away. And whenever something pops up, you just take what you can get. Right. Absolutely. What are the safety precautions in Canada? Like, what do you have to do to, to actually work safely now? Wear a mask, get tested, um, socially distanced. It's, uh, you know, it's watch how, what your capacity is at. In some cases you need to get approval to be in that venue. It's, uh, they're taking it pretty seriously over here. That's cool. That's, that's really good to hear. I, I think that's the only way that we do get back to work. We all have to make sure that there are no slip ups because the whole world is watching us right now. If, if one person at an event gets a positive case and it has to shut down the event, you know, everybody's going to know about it and it's just going to put us back even farther. That's, that's, that's no joke. No. And it's, it's exactly that. It's, you need to, you need to set an example now to show what we can do going forward for whatever is going to be the outcome of uh, the next few years. Right. So I believe you did a new year's Eve show. I did. I did a new year's Eve show for save the hospitality and save the live events industry. So we had some great local bands, broken social scene. And uh, we did that as a pre-recorded event for for a stream and it, it was great it was so nice to be behind a console again and to to see haze and see real lights and just have a taste of normal again even though it wasn't necessarily what we're used to well, i'll take a, a little slice of normal before over uh over nothing oh completely agreed. in a heartbeat completely agreed even in this crazy uh crazy pandemic you know it's just getting used to the whole uh whole new safety protocols and making extra time for that. So you, you got some COVID tests then huh? up your nose, <laughs> the good ones. And, uh, you know, wearing a mask and hand sanitizer and socially distancing and just, uh, just being safe about it. All right. Did you, was there an audience? No, there was no, audience. Okay. it was just, it was just the bands and camp. The charity event. It was. Yeah. It's just to, to raise awareness for everybody who's not working right now. Did you do anything for Lighted Up Red as well? I didn't, but I was I was there in support. Nice, good. Thanks, uh, thank you so much for the support. That was that was a big one. And not to harp on it too much, but even that was like a big. There was a big difference between that one and the American one. the The American version, which was was which was earlier, it was pre September. That one was like a, a like a, a desperate plea for for help and assistance. Whereas I felt the the Canadian version of Light It Up Red was more of like a hey, just want to let everybody know that we're here, uh, we're we're doing all right, but uh, don't forget about us. We all want to get back to shows really soon. Right. It, it had a different vibe to it. It was exactly that. It was just everybody just going hey, look look how many of us there are. Please let us let us get back to doing what we love. Yeah, if you guys all wear your masks and get vaccines as soon as uh, ethically possible. We'll, we'll all be, we'll all be doing shows sooner than later. Oh, hope, hoping, hoping that's so soon. I miss a man. <laughs> <laughs> what were, was there a discussion had about having Haze? At, there was. Uh, yeah, it was. It how was, did that go? It, it went good. It, it was just a matter of figuring out how we can do it safely, you know, because with the whole discussion of it, COVID being airborne, right. It's just, it's figuring out. So it, it was lower amounts of haze and 
everybody was very socially distanced about it. And uh, it, it went really well. Um, it was just getting over that hurdle. Like, is this safe to do? Cool. Sounds very matter of fact, very reasonable, rational. Yeah, absolutely. So we don't have, uh, I don't have a ton of time today. I, I hate to cut this one a little bit short, but uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask is even as, as new and fresh as you are in the industry, are you, are you developing a style of lighting? And, and if so, what would you, what would you say the Andrew Dawson style is? I would say it's very theatrical driven. I like playing with shadows and darkness and just sculpting people out from that. You know, it's, a lot of times I'll be working on a plot and I'll purposely go over it with the delete button after I've let it sit for a little bit, just because coming from how I grew up in lighting, it was maybe, you know, maybe 12 Parkans or 12 Lecos. It was never these big moving light rigs. I know, I know I haven't been in industry long and that sounds, uh, sounds kind of crazy to say, but it's, you know, it's, I take those concepts and principles and just apply them to bigger rigs. That is, that is why, I think theater is important. Just like you said, it's the, there's so much technology available these days that if, if you just keep throwing more technology at something and forgetting that you need to be able to have that same look with 12 park hands, you lose, you lose the heart of it. Exactly. It's, it's exactly that. The sculpting is, is what, uh, what sets you apart is kind of making sure that things are simple and, uh, and, and meaningful. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, um, I, I like having those big looks, but something about just going to, from that really big look to framing maybe maybe a soloist, it's just, it's so impactful and so powerful for the audience. So it's, I really like to take the time to, to frame that out with, you know, just an open shutter and just an open wash on them and just give them that moment. Cool. Do you find, do you think that that uh, leads you to want to cue shows out more or are you, uh, are you getting pretty good at punting shows? gotten really good at punting shows but again being from the theatrical background i love queuing shows out there's just there's just something about hitting that go button and knowing exactly what's going to happen in that moment yeah i absolutely agree with you there i appreciate your time andrew thank you so much man thank you